going to review just a little bit, and then we'll go on to what the Lord has for us tonight. And so this is habits too, I guess. Uh, so we talked about how at the beginning of the year, the end of the year, people uh, get their uh, New Year resolutions. And those who study these things say by January 12th, uh, everybody has failed their, uh, their uh, New Year's resolutions. And so we're talking about developing habits that will help us in our walk with God. Things that we do every day and uh, incorporate in our life every day. And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And we put uh, spiritual practices into place so that, one, we can fellowship with God and spend time with him, but also receive instruction from him in knowing what to do in our lives, right? So in Ephesians uh, 5 verse 1, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So he tells us to come to him as you know, little children, uh, to receive of him. And let's go down to verse 14. And um, <clears throat> so the last time I was with you, we kind of uh, did what I called a splatter barrel type sermon. So we're going to continue that process tonight as well. We're going to talk a lot about you know, the will of God and knowing the will of God and how you can find the will of God through these spiritual practices. So uh, Ephesians 5.14 says... Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And so we said this about uh, awake thou that sleepeth, arise from the dead, that you can be a spiritual person, but you can look like a spiritually dead person. And that... Um, <clears throat> If we equate ourselves with the world, if we marry ourselves with the world, that we can look like the world. We could be spiritually alive on the inside, but our practices, our habits, the way we walk, the way we conduct ourselves can look like spiritually dead people. And so he says, see that you walk circumspectly um, and not as fools, but as wise. Anybody want to be wise? And Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus here. The church at Ephesus was considered the, the apex, the uh, highest pinnacle of uh, spiritual knowledge. Timothy was the pastor of the church. I'm not sure what's happening. Uh, and, um, and so Paul is talking to them. So he's talking to spiritually alive people who know what's happening, good things are going on. If you remember over in Revelations, he listed all of their good works, but then he said, the thing that I have against you, you left your first love. So he's talking to spiritual people. And he's saying, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So if we're looking at the times and the days that we're in these days, things look evil. Things look rough out there, right? And so he said we need to redeem the time with uh, pack placement. So... Wesley is telling me what to do. From the tower, praise the Lord. It's packed placement. I don't have pockets, so I can't put it in my pocket. Okay, not a problem. We're having a private conversation. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, so hopefully that'll fix it. So redeeming the time. So we want to look at the end of 2024 not have a year that we wasted, that we just kind of, you know, da -da 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 along, and that we didn't um, grow in the Lord. We didn't put any kind of uh, spiritual practices. Maybe we put spiritual practices into place. But we didn't follow through on that. So we want to get to uh, December 31st and not look like we are today. Amen. So that's the reason why we're talking about this. And then I also mentioned that uh, those that study these things that say that December 21st, uh, 31st gets here, that um, maybe it's the cord, uh, that 61 million people will have gone into eternity. And it averages out to every one and a half seconds, uh, two people. Every second, one and a half people are going into eternity. And so we, you know, of course, we're going to, if the Lord tarries, we're not going to be here. But we want to make sure that the time that we have here, that we've done something with the time that we have. 
Amen. So it says the days are evil. And uh, so he says, verse 17, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So anybody want to understand what the will of the Lord is? And then he goes on to say, verse 18, be not drunk with wine where it's in excess, but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So how can we redeem the time here in 2024 and not lose opportunities that are presented before us? Um, I'm watching someone right now that just finished uh, a project that the Lord had them do. And uh, almost as soon as the project was done, God started opening opportunities for them to walk through. What if they had not practiced or done what the Lord told them to do ahead of time? And that um, Pastor Rhonda um, at the anniversary meeting, she talked about Kairos moments. And she said, and the Kairos moments are where preparation and destiny come together or opportunity comes together to form destiny in our lives. So what if they had not practiced and done what they needed to do and that opportunity came, they wouldn't have been ready. And so we want to be ready for what God has out ahead of us, right? And so that means that we need to practice those things right now. So I may have to get the handheld preach from that here in just a minute. So finding out what the will of the Lord is. Um, let's go look at, and we looked at uh, practices of Jesus and how he prayed you know, all night, how he went to the mountain and prayed, how he took his comrades away to pray. He told them that, you know, could you not wait with me one hour? Um, so Jesus was always praying and always seeking the will of the father. And, um, so he tells us, let's see. And we talked about in Luke 11, how the will of the Lord is not being done up on the earth. Because Jesus told us in what we call the Lord's Prayer that when we pray, that we are to pray for, um, for the uh, will of the Lord in heaven to be done upon the earth. And uh, said, when we pray, let's see, and it came to pass, Luke 11, 1 and 2. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, all kinds of things are happening up here. Praise the Lord. And it came to pass <laughs> that he's, as he was praying at a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. And as John also taught his disciples, and he said unto them, when you pray, say, Father, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we said again that this is not necessarily a, uh, a prayer for us to recite, but Jesus was giving us instructions that when we pray, this is what we do. So we are to reverence the Father as we pray. And then he said to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so it is on the earth. So we want the will of God to be done up on the earth. Universally, yes, but also in our individual lives. And so we know that God's will is not being done on the earth because we know that uh, killing, stealing, destroying is not happening in heaven, right? And so those kinds of things we see when it says evil is being done up on the earth, those are the kind of things that are happening up on the earth. We, so we know the will of God is not being done in those things. And because the will of God is not being done, that's why we should pray, so that his will be done. And so uh, if his will is being done on the earth with all the things that are happening on the earth, why pray? Why pray? And so, so Jesus, the head of the church, said pray, and when you pray, pray about the will of God. Uh, John Wesley said this, a pillar of the church. Uh, he said, it seems as though it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. It seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. So the will of God will not happen in our lives automatically. We have to ask. And Jesus tells us, and we'll look at this a little bit later, to ask, to seek, to knock, right? Uh, with him. And um, so in Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians 2.12. Uh, Father, I just thank you right now. In the name of Jesus. 
that everything that you want to get done in the service tonight will get done. I take authority over distractions. I take authority over equipment. I take authority. Father, I thank you for your freedom of the word having free course in this service tonight. I thank you, Father God, that I have the tongue of the pen, uh, pen of a ready writer, ready to speak forth as an oracle of God. Father, I thank you that I have utterance and unction in the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Ephesians 2.12. And we just read this through, through this in the exhortation before uh, the message that at the time we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So before we got saved, we had no hope because we were without God in the world. And so people who are without God have no hope. Uh, Reverend Pablo and the team and uh, other things that he's done, you know, taking it to people who have no hope because they don't know him. And so we were in that station at one time where we didn't know him and we didn't have any hope of anything changing in our life until we met him, right? And so <clears throat> the Amplified Classic of that verse says, remember that you were at that time separated, living apart from Christ, excluded. So not only were we not without God in the world, we were excluded from all parts of him. So we had no access to him whatsoever and utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation and strangers with no share in the sacred uh, compacts of the messianic promise with no knowledge or right in God's agreements. So we had no right to God. Not only were we without him, we had no right to him because we had no relationship with him and his covenants. And you had no hope, no promise. You were in the world without God. As people go through things in the world, you know, and even with us in the church, I am so glad that when I go through difficulty, I know where I can go. I can go to God. But people in the world that don't know him have nowhere to go. What they see and what they experience in the natural is all they have access to. And this verse in uh, Ephesians talked about 2.18, talked about because of the blood of Jesus, now we have access to him. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm glad I have access to him. We were without him. We were not a people. We didn't have a name. They just lumped us into the Gentile nations. But because of him and because of the blood, now we have access to the Father. Amen? And now we're going to tell other people, you can have access to the Father as well. Glory to God. And so in this curse-filled world, this evil, dark world that we in, we need the light. Hallelujah. And at one time we had no hope. In Revelations it says, talks about Jesus. And it says that he stands at the door and knocks. We have to let him in. He's knocking. We have to let him in. And so he's not going to barge his way in. And so the will of God not being done on the earth, God's not just going to come in here and do what he wants to do. When I was in Bible school, I lived in a duplex. And on one side of the duplex were the owners of that uh, duplex. And on the other side, me and two roommates lived there. And uh, one day, one of the, my roommates was home, and the husband of the people who owned it came in our side of the duplex without knocking, without telling us he was coming. And uh, so we had to sit down with he and his wife and have a conversation that even though you own this, you've leased this side out. You just can't walk in on us anytime you want to. So God gave the earth to the children of men. And there's a lease upon this earth that uh, Colossians tell us that uh, Satan is the God of this world. Now we know that Jesus went, he bought it back, gave us the keys and all of that. But until that lease runs out, he can run rampant and do what he wants to do in the earth. But we have authority, hallelujah. We have authority to put him in his place so that the effects of the kingdom of darkness cannot operate in us any longer. And so God's not just going to come in and do what he wants to do or do whatever he wants to do because he gave that, he gave the earth to the children of men. 
And so what he does when he wants his will to be done, he comes in because we invite him in. We ask, we seek, we knock to give him access in the earth to do his will. Hallelujah. So Jesus is not just going to come in our hearts. He's not just going to force him way, his way into us. He's going to knock, and if we respond, he, we'll, we'll let him in. Amen? My dad, he's in heaven now, uh, but my, my aunt uh, had gotten married, and she, um, she gave my dad some pictures, and he had put them on the wall in his house. And she came to visit one day, and she didn't like where the pictures were on the wall. So she walks in and goes, I don't like that picture. She's just started rearranging all the pictures on the wall. So I'm in the kitchen and my dad tells me, I don't like her moving my stuff. And I said, it's your house. She just can't come in because they were, they were her pictures until she gave them away. <laughs> and she could put them in her house wherever she want to put them. But I said, it's your house. You tell her where to leave your pictures alone. Well, I don't want I said, well, if you're not going to say anything and do anything about it, don't talk to me about it. <laughs> so God's not going to force his way in to do whatever he wants to do. He's invited in by us. It seems as though that God can't do anything up on the earth and someone ask him according to his word. All right, so he's not forcing his way on us. Let's go to Romans 12. So there's stuff that happens in our life that's not him. Anybody have stuff happen in your life that's not him? That's not his will? Things that don't have anything to do with him? <clears throat> so the will of God, even in our lives, are not going to get automatically done unless um, we give him access. So Romans here, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, yeah. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this scripture is telling us that how we can prove the good and was acceptable and perfect will of God is how? by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And with the, with the renewing of our minds, we find out what the will of God is. You might have thought, you know, the will of God was for you to do such and such in your life, but uh, putting the word of God in, uh, reading the word of God, uh, meditating the word of God, you might find that God has a different path or a different way that he wants you to go. And so, um, so proving what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God by renewing our minds and being transformed. So we need to find out what the word of God says about our lives and what he's wanting us to do. So Jesus, when he left the earth, he said, that is necessary for me to go away so that another comforter would come. And uh, that word necessary there says it's to our advantage and it's to our benefit he goes away. Jesus was one person that walked up on the earth and he said when he went away, the comforter would come. So when we would receive him, he would live on the inside of us, uh, every one of us. So he's wherever we are as a son of God and we receive Jesus, the Holy Ghost is in us so he could be everywhere instead of one place at a time. So it's our benefit, our advantage. And the Holy Ghost is a good helper. He knows where, we, where we're going. And so it's to our advantage to have him in our life because we're walking in the dark down here. He is the light. And we need that light. And so he, li he lives on the inside of us. So if we need to know something, we don't need to be asking out here. We have the light on the inside. Not only the light, but he's already been where we're going. So he knows the path. You know, you ever been on those cave, those cave uh, tours? And there's a guide, right? They tell you what the stalactites, stalactites, whatever they are. If you've been to Ruby Falls, don't go to Ruby Falls. <laughs> we had a little kid on our tour one time. We went to Ruby Falls. And uh, so we hiked all the way down, and they were telling us everything. And when we... <laughs> When we got down there, Ruby Falls was a trickle. 
because <laughs> he had not rained. And this little kid went, is that it? Is that it? Well, we have a guide on the inside. <laughs> so the guy didn't know what to say because it had rained, and so the falls were a trickle. And uh, so we have a guide on the inside to help us navigate this world where we've not been before. He has the light, and we want to look to him. So Jesus said that it was necessary or to our advantage that he would go away so that the comforter would come. What would the comforter do? He would teach us all things. He would lead us and guide us into all things. He is the spirit of truth, and so he would lead us in truth. Um, he would bring all things to our remembrance. He would show us things to come. So John 16, 13 tells us, this is uh, the discourse, John uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, right along in there, is the last words of Jesus before he left the earth. Those are important words, right? And so he's telling us that it's necessary for us as he goes away that we have to have a guide to navigate this world. We need a light to navigate this world. Let's go to Colossians one. And so we saw in the habits last time of Jesus that he prayed all the time. When he had to make decisions, he prayed. When, um, uh, uh, when he was uh, up praying on the mountain, remember when the transfiguration happened, that at the bottom of the mountain when he came down, there was a little boy that needed to be delivered from a demon. So he prayed all the time, and he would have the answers. There's one, uh, I can't remember who exactly said it. He said, I have a lot to do today. I need to spend three hours to, in prayer. He had a revelation of knowing that he couldn't do what he needed to do on his own, that he needed God to help him. Hallelujah. And you can waste time doing stuff, doing it on your own and in your own ability, and come to find out there was a better way and a shortcut if you had asked or asked the Holy Spirit to help you. You spend all day spinning your wheels doing this, and there was no fruit left uh, of it. But if you had asked him, he could have given you a better way. Hallelujah. Sounds like y'all been there. Glory to God. So Colossians 1, verse 1, we're talking about the will of God. We're talking about uh, where there's darkness walking in the light. So Colossians 1, 1 and 2 Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from our God and our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's look at verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye be filled with the knowledge of his will. So Paul is saying here at, to the church at Colossae, I do not cease to pray for you to know the will of God. He wants them to know the will of God. For this cause, I, since the day I heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye be filled with the knowledge of his will. Not halfway. Not in one leg. That you be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Anybody need spiritual wisdom and understanding? So Paul's saying here that he, he pray, he's praying for the church at Colossae to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we can be filled. We can be in the dark or we can be filled with the knowledge of his will. I want to be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do and the timing in doing it. Having understanding uh, of those things, of, to walk those things out. So one way we can be, uh, um, get to know the will of God is to be filled with his will. How can we be filled with his will? With his word. Right here, this prayer that Paul is praying is a pattern for us to use that when we don't know the will of God, we can pray this so that we can know the will of God and we can be filled with the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, let's go to verse 12. I'm sorry, Colossians 4, 2 and 3. 
So we know Paul prayed a lot and he asked for a lot of prayer. So he says here uh, in the Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving without praying also for us that God would open a door of utterance to us. So he says to continue in prayer. And then he says to pray without ceasing. So what's that? Praying all the time. And watch in the same with thanksgiving. So giving thanksgiving in your prayers with all praying also for us that God would open a door of utterance. So uh, and then verse uh, 12, he says here, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. So there's something about praying to know the will of God. There's something about praying for other people to know the will of God. So he says, Epaphras here is that he's always laboring fervently for you. Not, Lord bless him. <laughs> fervently, your heart is engaged. Your body is engaged. Your, your being is engaged in praying fervently and that you stand perfect and complete in the will of God. So Epaphras here, Paul is saying Epaphras is praying for you, laboring fervently in prayers that you stand complete in the will of God. So this world is evil. This world is noisy. This world is distracting. There's all kinds of things that are going on that can cause confusion. When you sit down to read the word of God, when you sit down to pray, when you sit down to worship the Lord, ding on your phone. Distractions to get you off. And then 20 minutes later, oh, I was supposed to be praying. Let's go back to Ephesians 5 again. So how can we know the will of God? So some things here in these two next two passages we're going to read gives us some steps in knowing how to do the will of God or what we can do to receive the will of God. Ephesians 5 again, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He says, wherefore, be not in wise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So he wants us to know the will of the Lord is. So what's the next step? Do not be drunk with wine, where it's in excess, but be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. And how do we get filled with the Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So that's a way to get filled. Singing, you might think, well, I don't sing. Well, we all sing. You might not need to record, but you, we all sing. Making melody in our heart to the Lord. So he says one way of being filled with the knowledge of the will of the Lord is to spend time singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to that which also ye are called in one body and be thankful. Another way of being uh, filled with the knowledge is well, let the word of Christ dwell in you rich, richly in all wisdom. So a way of us being filled with the knowledge of his will is letting the, the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. So we're going to look, come back to psalms and hymns and spiritual songs here in a minute. But the last time we were together, I gave you uh, some instructions that Dr. Hilton Sutton gave me. We're going to look at those very briefly. Wesley, if you don't mind, please go ahead and put that up for me. And so this is where we left off. And so when I asked him as a seasoned minister to a youngin, what advice would you give me to help me to be successful in the ministry? And this is not, I asked him this question because of the setting that we in, and he is, was a senior, and, uh, and I am a young one in the ministry. But this is just basic Christian living right here. If you were never going to see me again, what would you tell me? And he said, if you want to be successful in the ministry, do these things and you'll last a long time. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. 
Now, one way of being filled with the knowledge of his will, the word of God tells us in Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Thank God it gives understanding to the simple because sometimes we need a simple, right? So the entrance, so reading our Bible every day gives entrance of the word of God into our heart and so that light can come when that light is, is uh, not where it needs to be. I think I skipped something here. I'll come back to it. Then he said, pray, talk to the Father. So uh, talk to the Father, actually converse with him, not just one-sided. You talking all the time, he wants to talk back. <laughs> and we can know the will of God by him talking back to us, right? And so uh, it's an it's a exchange between the two of us, not one-sided. So pray and talk to the Father. Uh, he says to pray in other tongues. So spend time praying in other tongues, worshiping the Father. And out of these, whatever he tells you, you obey what he tells you to do. And um, so with this, around this time that he, uh, Dr. Sutton gave me this, uh, some of you might remember Miss Louise Cooper. And uh, she had a cousin that was a missionary and had been a missionary for 20-something years on the field. And uh, I had an opportunity to talk to him. And almost verbatim were these things. I asked him the same question. Almost verbatim, he said the same thing. Was if you want to be a, uh, successful, these are the things that you do. You want to know the will of God, these are the things that you do. Now, uh, Wesley put up the other one. So, uh, Reverend Rick Renner was just here, and uh, um, I ran across a message of his uh, recently, and he talked about some deficits that, they, that he and Denise had in their life. And um, these are some things, some habits that they put in place in their life, and him especially. And he said uh, seven things that would keep you spiritually strong. Uh, that's the way he titled the message. But this is, again, just basic Christian living, things that we do in our life every day. He said, every day spend time with God. And he said, in the morning. Y'all know my thing about the morning. <laughs> I would say spend time with the Lord at night. <laughs> but he said, in the morning. And he said, talking to God and reading the word. And um, Psalm 5.3 says, my voice shall hear uh, my voice shall thou hear in the morning. In the morning, I will direct my prayers unto thee and look up. So he said before he even gets out of bed, the first thing he does is he looks up and he starts talking to the Father. Before he gets out of bed, before he does anything, he looks up and starts talking to him. My voice shall you hear in the morning. In the morning, I will direct my prayers unto thee and look up. He says, every day spend time feeding your spirit on other resources, books, CDs, DVDs, reading books. He says, reading books feeds your spirit. Growing people are reading people. Growing people are reading people. Uh, my uh, former pastor years ago, he said that uh, he read a study that most people past the age of 25 don't read. And uh, most people past the age of 25 won't grow. He said, you will not grow spiritually if you don't read. And so, and he said, uh, this is Rick Renner, stagnant people are usually not reading people. Stagnant people are not reading people. Are y'all okay? Y'all look at me funny. <clears throat> Am I hitting you or getting on your toes? Praise the Lord. Uh, reading is essential to growth, he says. It's like fertilizer to a garden. That is what reading is to your mind and to your spirit. So spending time feeding yourself on other things. Every day, spend amount of time in quietness. Now, this is something that the Lord has been doing with me the, probably the last three years or so, is just being quiet. Just sitting quiet. Sometimes he says something to me. Sometimes it's just us, the two of us just sitting quiet. I remember uh, one night uh, after a Wednesday night service, I went home. And I was backing into my garage, and I went to get out of the car, and I knew he was sitting. He wanted me to sit there with him. And so I sat there, and the lights went off in the garage and on my car and everything. And for the next two hours, I just sat there with him in quiet. You're talking about discipline because your mind go, well, 
uh, am I going to eat? Or, uh, you know, got laundry? Or, you know, I got to get ready for them. And then I just had to discipline myself to sit there. And I didn't know whether he wanted to say anything to me or not. But I just sat there, and he just said, just be with me. Just be with me. There have been times that I've been sitting in my living room watching TV or reading or doing something, and I know he's on the stairwell to go upstairs, and I'll go sit with him in quietness on the stairwell and just be with him. One of the things with the disciples, um, <clears throat> they were, were with Jesus, and they said, we took notice that they had been with Jesus, just being with him. Now, we know a lot of things because Peter asked questions, <laughs> right? But sometimes just being with him is enough. And in the quietness, he can download into us what he wants us to do of his will. Just sitting there and being quiet. David, on the backside of a desert, he learned how to use a slingshot. He learned how to, to, um, to be a king by sitting in quietness with the Lord. And in our society, uh, quietness and solitude is premium because you can't get it a lot. I was up on the mountain a few years ago. I think it was during COVID when all this was happening. And... Uh, it was real quiet for just a few moments, it was just real quiet up there. And then in the distance, an airplane, you know, I went, you're ruining it. <laughs> but just being quiet with him and hearing what he has to say. And if he didn't want to say anything, just be with him. Just be with him. So, um, Spend number four, spend some time, uh, uh, some amount of time with those that strengthen you in your, uh, and your soul. So it's being around people who speak into your life, who encourage you uh, that, you know, um, I love it when I can uh, talk with a friend and they start sharing what the Lord is showing them. Then I start sharing what the Lord is showing me. And there's this exchange that's going on. Before you know it, it feels like a third person is present with us because of Malachi, it says they spoke often of him and he came down and he wrote a book about what they said about him. So people who feed into your soul um, with that divine exchange. Uh, five, every day stop and acknowledge the presence of God. Father, I just thank you. I worship you. I just thought, Father, I just wanted to take a moment and thank you and worship you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Magnify him. So uh, every day say no to things that you shouldn't do that take up your time away from him. And number seven, every day be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we just read over some scriptures about that, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, in 1 John 1, 1 John 1, Verse 1. So if there's things that we don't know, um, the Lord said this to Pastor Mark years ago. He said um, that if you're not advancing um, or continuing in a particular area, growing in a particular area, he said um, you have darkness in that area and you need revelation about that area. And so in 1 John 1, Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our eyes have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and, have, uh, and we have seen it and bear witness. And just remember, John was with Jesus, so he's talking about his time with him. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was the with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy might be full. This then is the message we have heard of him. And declare unto you 
that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if we have fellowship with God, there is no darkness in him. So when we're fellowshipping with him, we're fellowshipping with the light. We're fellowshipping with revelation. So there's no darkness in him at all. So when we're spending time with him, we should come away from him with something. With revelation, with light. We spend time reading the word, we should come away with something. And not that we just did our duty and, uh, and did our daily devotion. But our life is devoted to him. And so just reading the word to check off, I read my Psalm, I read my New Testament, I read the Proverbs, I read the Old Testament, and then run out the door. What did you get? What did we get from that? So fellowshipping in the light. So there is no darkness in him at all. When we're praying in the Holy Ghost, some of the school of ministry, not some of them, all of them have this assignment, but uh, just recently gave them an assignment of spending an hour praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. And uh, some of them felt like they didn't have an hour to give to pray in other tongues. But if we don't have an hour to give to him, that means that we, we're walking in darkness. We don't give that time. And you may not. It, they have the assignment, so they have to do it. <laughs> but with us, 10 minutes spending praying in the Holy Ghost, 15 minutes praying in the Holy Ghost to avail ourselves to light. So when we're fellowshipping with him, it says that he is the light and there is no darkness in him at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. So as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, there is no darkness. The darkness is gone. And we have fellowship with one another. 1 John 2, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and know not whether he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eyes. So not loving your brother is something of the world or of something of that kingdom of, the dove, of, uh, of darkness or the kingdom of the devil means that we're not walking in the light. We've been translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of the son of his love or his dear son, the kingdom of light, right? And so if you recognize something in you that is not of the kingdom of light, you're walking in darkness. We're walking in darkness and we don't have fellowship with him. Hallelujah. So some ways that we get there. So I read that about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. Just taking the word um, <clears throat> and um, maybe singing the word. We, uh, in, uh, I think it was last week or the week before in early morning prayer, we were uh, praying along and all of a sudden praying about the will of God for our lives, praying about the will of God for the church. And then just up out of my spirit, I start singing this song about the will of God. Make it, and just that melody just kept coming up in my heart all, all day long about the will of God. So sing making what are you doing you're making spiritual contact with him you're making spiritual contact with the light so if you're walking in an area of darkness in your life you're positioning yourself to be in the light to be in a place of revelation with him right say uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual song making melody in your heart it may be even taking the psalm in psalm 119 i was looking at that today 170 scriptures about the word and its effect on our life Maybe even singing, well, we read the scripture about the entrance of his word brings life. Father, I just thank you, hallelujah, that your word brings light to me. As I put your word in, the entrance of your word brings the light to me. And it gives understanding to the simple. 
And I understand your word. When I put in your word, when I put in the light, I walk in the light. Hallelujah. Just as simple as that. And my voice is not that good tonight anyway. But just making a melody in your heart, putting the word in. What is it doing? The entrance of his word is giving you light. And you sing on that and hum that and make melody in your heart all day long. And you're staying connected to him. And he downloads it to you what you need to know about your kids, about your marriage, about your finances, about your job, about your coworker that's annoying you. One time I was working at a bank. And um, <clears throat> this lady, uh, girl that was uh, on the desk with me, from the moment that I walked in that bank, she did not like me. And um, <clears throat> so I was praying one day, and the Lord said, I was into cross-stitching back then. I don't do that. I don't do that no more. And uh, I was trying to be domestic, and that was a fleeting moment. Uh, so she got a cross-stitch out of it, though. So he said, cross-stitch her this, this scripture. So I crossed this description, took it and got it framed. And uh, she came back from vacation, and I had put it in a box and put it on her desk. When she opened it up, she started crying. She said, this is my favorite scripture. I didn't know it was her, but he did. It turned our relationship. We became friends after that. But he gave me light in that situation that turned that annoying thing I was doing my job better than her. I was showing up stuff that she wasn't doing. So she would disparage me with the, the bosses to make herself look good. So rather than being combative in the situation, I turned towards the light, turned towards the Lord. And the entrance of his word brought light to me, and it turned it, that situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So singing and making melody are another thing I do when I need to know something for the Lord. I confess his word. Uh, I confess things about his will when I'm not in a dire straits of having to know his will about something. Uh, in uh, Philippians 2.13, this is something that I confess over myself. For it is the God who is at work in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so I'm getting those words out ahead that when something comes up and I don't want to do his good pleasure, those words are already out there to walk in. And uh, Jesus said that my meat in John 4, 34, John 4, 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat, my, and I say it this way, my meat, my sustenance, what keeps me alive is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John, I'm sorry, Psalm 40 Verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O God. Your law is hidden in my heart. And so, uh, so I just confess, the, they'll come up, and I just confess them. For I, <laughs> I delight to do your will when I know I don't want to do his will. I delight to do your will. I take pleasure in doing your will. Another thing I do is uh, I confess some scriptures over myself about knowing uh, the will of God or knowing the spirit of God. Or, uh, Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are uh, led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And Father, I thank you that I am a son of God and I am led by the spirit of God. In Revelation it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of God is saying to the church. I am of the church and I have ears to hear what the spirit of God is saying to the church. In John chapter 10, verse 4, it says that I am his sheep. I know his voice. And the voice of a stranger, verse 5, says, I will not follow. So even putting those words out ahead of me so that when I do need them, they're uh, in a bank, so to speak, or they're, uh, they've already paved the road out ahead of me that I know the will of God for my life. So <clears throat> there, uh, let's see here. First John 2.20, but I uh, have an anointing of the Holy One within, and I know all things. And that anointing, verse 27 says, that anointing is teaching me what I need to know. So you have an anointing of the Holy One, and you know all things, because he knows all things. 
and he lives on the inside of you. That's why we have an advantage. That's why it's our benefit for him to live on the inside of us, for Jesus to go away, because he knows things that we need to know. And he can download that to us of what we need to know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So and that anointing is teaching us what we need to know, what we need to know about our lives. John 14, 17. John 14, 17. I know I didn't give you that. Um, I didn't give you that one, Wesley, sorry. Even the spirit of truth, John 17, 17 says, say on that scripture, Wesley. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And here it's saying, even the spirit of truth. So when he illuminates or shows us it's going to be of the truth and no lie. So even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. Say, I know him. Amen. Why? And this is Jesus talking towards the cross. You know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Anybody here born again? Yes. He is in you. You know him. You know him. So putting these spiritual habits in place are positioning ourselves, reading his word, spending time talking to him, uh, spending time praying in the Holy Ghost, spending time worshiping him. It's positioning ourselves to hear from heaven about the will of God for our lives. So having spiritual habits are good. Adopting spiritual habits in our life and having the consistency of it, not just out of Christian duty or checking off, but to make this real in our lives because we're actually really living our lives. Right? And God is not impressed with us checking off our list. What did you get from it? Did you receive anything of him except the glory of I got it done? He's wanting to enrich our lives. He's wanting to change our lives. He wants us to walk. Uh, there's, uh, this popped up, this song. I want to walk and talk with Jesus each and every day. I want my life to be an example of him in every way. I want to treat my brothers and sisters the way that he wants me to. Because he said, do unto others as he would have them do unto you. Shower me with his blessings from up above. And then rock me and rock me and rock me in the cradle of his love. I want him to use me. Something and use me. <laughs> so anyway, we want to walk with the Lord every day. Walk with him in the garden. Walk with him in our time. Wherever our garden is, if, if it's in our car, in our garage, if it's in our uh, special room we have in our house, if it's in our closet, if it's walking down the hallway. Uh, one time when I was working somewhere, it was the bathroom on the other side of the building where nobody was. To get light. To get direction from him. To fellowship with him when the world presses in on you. When pressures come, we have somewhere to go. Amen.